you to please be seated as, as I read for us the passage from Daniel that we read last week. We'll be spending yet another Sunday in this passage as we uh, finish up Daniel chapter 6. And then we'll take a pause over Advent and then we'll be back with Daniel chapter 7 the first of uh, next year. But today we're looking at Daniel in the lion's den and I'll begin reading in verse 19. Then at daybreak the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions, Daniel 6 and verse 20. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. And then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up from the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal domain people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his domain shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions." And so this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, today teach us about the greater deliverance that Daniel foreshadows and the greater deliverer, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I have a dog. The dog is part Doberman and part Labrador Retriever. And the dog isn't all that big, and the dog is black with just a little bit of white. And the dog watches TV from time to time. And one evening, Ray and I were sitting there in our living room watching TV, and um, the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe series, the Chronicles of Narnia, happened to be on, and, and my dog was just kind of doing what my dog typically does, and, and the minute Aslan appeared, that dog went and was captivated for quite some time by Aslan the lion in the line which the water. I couldn't figure out if the dog was trying to figure out how this Lion talked and, or what was going on. But he just, and we took a picture of it and actually posted it on Facebook. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty, pretty cool picture. 
And so my dog was taken by this lion. Now, if we saw a lion out in the wild, we'd be taken by it too, wouldn't we? And I think as Daniel was cast down into this lion's den, he probably was taken <laughs> by these lions as well. But here's what I want to talk about today. And to me, it's just an interesting twist, if you will, of Scripture. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. And that pointed to a lion that would deliver God's people. And today I want us to take notice of that lion that is safe, isn't safe, but is good. And we'll return again to, to look at Daniel as he is delivered from the lion's den. And what I want us to reflect upon here today are many things, but chief among them is, is this reality that sometimes God doesn't shut the mouths of the lions. He always delivers, but sometimes his people have to endure the trial and the difficulty according to the plan of God. Remember what Carl read. Peter said this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And the message that you and me need to hear today and again and again and again is that, yes, we face trials. And some of these trials may be fiery trials. But there is a lion who delivers. I want to review last week and review the first point we made, a hopeful deliverance. There we compared last week Darius's hope and Daniel's hope. And of course, Darius's hope could be summarized in simply this, wishful thinking. He, the unintended consequences of his decree that has brought Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den has backed Darius up against the wall. And he had no other choice but to submit Daniel to the lion's den. But he loved Daniel as a friend, and he didn't want to lose Daniel as a friend. And yet his hands were tied primarily by the law that, under which he, he, he worked. And so Daniel was placed in the lion's den, and Darius simply said, he just simply hoped in Daniel's God to deliver him. But it was an empty hope. It was a groundless hope. It was a faithless hope. It was wishful thinking on Darius's part. He had nowhere else to go. And then we compare that with Daniel's hope, which is a hope that is grounded in trusting God. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who faced the fiery furnace in chapter 3, Daniel, equally with his back against the wall, being thrown in a lion's den, trust 
not in himself, not in human ingenuity to evade the lion's den, not in Darius somehow figuring out a way to legally get out of this particular sentence, but Daniel trusted God in verse 23. We read about his trust in God when there was no human way out. His hope was grounded in the person and work of his God. And so Darius's dim hope is contrasted with Daniel's true hope rooted in a solid faith in a God who delivers and a God who has proven himself as a deliverer time and time again. And so Daniel stands for us a model of what a Christian life looks like resting in faith in this God who delivers. And God did deliver. That was the second point that we looked at last week. It was a miraculous deliverance. Daniel faced certain death unless God intervened. And Daniel, in verses 19 through 20, the, the, the king, Darius, came. And remember, he, he had a sleepless night. He was so disturbed because his friend Daniel was in the lion's den. And he just knew that Daniel was going to be eaten by the lions. But Darius comes to the, the opening uh, to the lion's den and he calls out. Uh, to Daniel, hoping that he would hear Daniel reply, but probably expecting silence. And Daniel did reply. And this is what Daniel said, my God has delivered me. We know that took place by the angelic agent that God sent to shut the mouths of the line. And so complete and full was this deliverance that as Daniel was raised up from that lion's den... Darius himself, along with the others there, saw that there was not one scratch on him, not even a bruise from being thrown into the lion's den to begin with. And so we see that God's deliverance in verse 23 is complete and his eternal purposes are fulfilled. And this really brings us to our focus today where we, we, we think of a hopeful deliverance and Daniel placed his hope in God We have already looked at a miraculous deliverance, and God did miraculously deliver Daniel from the lion's den, and now we want to look at all of this pointing to a greater deliverance, and that greater deliverance is from the lions by a lion. In verse 24, this account concludes in three ways. And in verse 24, we see that the malicious accusers that fooled Darius and trapped Daniel such that he would have to be thrown in the lion's den to begin with, they were thrown into the lion's den along with their families. And the text tells us before their bodies hit the lion's den floor, the lions had come upon them and crushed their bones and had already devoured them. And so we know when our friend Daniel was in the lion's den, the lions were hungry. And yet the power of God shut those mouths for deliverance. But the power of God opened those mouths for judgment. And dear friends, what I want to say to you today is what we find in Scripture, that all those who are not delivered by Jesus 
we'll face the same destiny of these malicious accusers, eternal death and judgment. And so there are two options. We either trust in the deliverer or not. One leads to deliverance and life. One leads to judgment and death. And then secondly, this account closes in verses 25 through 27 by Darius issuing this decree. Boy, these kings and Daniel love to issue decrees, don't they? This is yet another decree. It's a good decree where Darius praises the living God. We should not think that Darius has all of a sudden become a monotheist. He's all of a sudden embraced uh, saving faith. We should not think that. Darius is overcome with the, with the power and the miracles of Daniel's God, but it's just one God amongst a number of gods. We see no indication of Darius converting, but he does at least praise God, which is great news for us today. This is something that we should be about doing even more as God's people who, who have experienced his goodness and his grace our lives should be one of praise this time of thanksgiving. We should be, be thanking God, a German pastor in the 1630s during the Thirty Years' War in Germany. There, with 15 members of his congregation dying each day is what the average was, lost many of his congregation with, with the sounds of war and destruction and chaos outside of his his very window, he was there with his family, huddled with all of this devastation, so much for which not to give thanks. And yet this man, Martin Rinkhart, gathered his children around the table, and he coined, now thank we all our God, with hearts and soul and voices. And so even when the world seems to be collapsing in on us, it isn't collapsing in on us if we are God's people because his hand is upon us and he will deliver us, maybe not in the way we would choose, maybe not in the way we would want, maybe not in the way that we're praying, but he will deliver us. And all the more, even when it looks like the lion's mouths are not shut, we should be giving thanks and praising God. And think of Martin Ringhard and that, the author of that hymn and the context of his life. And we don't suffer much like that today, do we? And how much more should we be people who give thanks to God? And then the third way this section closes is verse 28, Daniel prospers. We, we've been looking at Daniel's life from 605 B.C. now all the way to 539, 538 B.C. as now Darius and soon Cyrus will be in command and now God will sovereignly work through Cyrus and bring about a decree where the, the, the exiles will be allowed to go home under Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. And Daniel will live, Daniel lived to see, Daniel lived going into exile, and he will live to see the exiles return home. It's quite amazing, God's grace and goodness to this man, Daniel. But he prospers, the text tells us. 
Daniel is in his 80s, as we spoke about several sermons ago. And what's interesting to me, to me is that the greatest trial of Daniel's life, being thrown in the lion's den, happened in his 80s. And dear older saint, and those of us who are approaching being an older saint, and even you younger saints know this. We should not think that life will get easier. For even in our older age, God is still working, sanctifying, and using suffering and trials to do His good work in us and to bring about His kingdom. And so we have this faithful witness as the text closes on Daniel's life of a man whom God used to demonstrate what faith the Christian life looks like, and he ends prospering. But I want to spend the rest of the the time this morning going back to verse 27 in in chapter 6. And I want us to think about Darius' statement and how significant it really is. He delivers and rescues. Daniel's God delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lion's den. You see, Darius got it right, didn't he? Daniel's deliverance is by God's work. And that is our hope today. Exactly the thing this pagan king says in chapter 6 and verse 27. God delivers from the lion's den. The early church saw God's deliverance from Daniel Lyons as a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Consider these ways that that Daniel's resurrection, Daniel's deliverance from the lion's den points to Jesus. Daniel was subjected to the penalty of breaking the law, though he was blameless. We read about this in verse 22 of chapter 6. Christ was innocent. And remember in Luke chapter 23 and verse 47, that was the very admission of the centurion who said this man was guiltless. He was innocent. And yet this guiltless, innocent man took the penalty for breaking God's covenant upon himself. Secondly, Daniel was completely delivered. There were, no harm came to him. Though his accusers suffered uh, broken bones and the anguish of vicious, hungry lions attacking them, Daniel is delivered from that lion's den without a scratch on him, not one bone broken. It reminds me of Psalm chapter 34 and verse 20 that tells us that Messiah, not one bone will be broken. And then the lion's den was sealed by a stone and likely a signet ring of the king so that no one could get in and free Daniel. 
and we think of the Gospels as, as a stone placed and guards set to make sure that no one stole Jesus' body. And Daniel's resurrection from the den foreshadows Jesus' bodily resurrection from the powers of death and the grave. So the early church, reading the story of Daniel, they, they saw a foreshadowing of Jesus here. And this is what Dr. Ferguson says. Daniel's life story is intended to illustrate in the Old Testament terms the meaning of faith in the promised Messiah. Those Daniel, though through Daniel's experience, God gave hints of what would occur when Christ came to deal with the powers of darkness. By exposing himself to the power of death, he conquered all his and our enemies. And so what I want us to think about today is that Daniel is a powerful witness to what it, what it looks like, what it means to live the Christian life by faith in Christ. But it's also a beautiful foreshadowing of a greater deliverance that we have in Jesus Christ. You see, our hope is in a lion, but it's the conquering lion of Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Old Testament references Messiah as a, a conquering lion who is also a slain lamb of God. And through this conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, who is also a slain, the slain lamb of God, all God's enemies and our enemies are vanquished. There's deliverance. And so I would commend to you today that we face the lions, the enemies of God and kingdom, God's kingdom. And yet it's the presence of the lion which brings about deliverance. But this side of heaven, does God always shut the mouths of lions that we would be delivered physically from these trials and difficulties in this physical life? God did shut the lion's mouths for Daniel and in doing so, God was fulfilling his, his purposes. Daniel's resurrection resulted in Darius, this pagan king, praising uh, Daniel's God, issuing this decree. There was a witness going forth of the, the power and might and wondrous works of, of this delivering God, regardless of, of Darius's dysfunctional understanding of Daniel's God. Nonetheless, the message went forth. You know, the, the, the man who developed the Bi one of the Bible apps for your iPhone and Android is an atheist. And he's making money. But the word of God is going forth. God can use a pagan to put forth his gospel. And we see it even today. And here God used this pagan king to basically preach the gospel. He decreed the preaching of the gospel to those in his realm. That's amazing to me. And God's deliverance, because Darius said it's this God of Daniel who saved him. 
Darius could not have said the gospel more clearly than he did. Though he himself didn't believe it. But yet the proclamation of the gospel went forth through Daniel's trial. And I would commend to you today that as we face trials and suffering, and we do so like Daniel, faithfully the gospel is being preached through our lives. The power of God is being manifest and declared to the world like it was here in Daniel chapter 6. And more profound, Daniel stands the testimony to a greater deliverance. Daniel's deliverance points to Jesus as the deliverer. And what if one is put to death for one's faith? What if one is falsely accused? Do you know that Christians are, are being falsely accused for not being politically correct? It's going to happen more and more. This world is so concerned about political correctness. Well, we need to be concerned about B.C., biblical correctness. And we take our stand there. And we let the world say what it will say. But we take our stand on God's Word faithfully, with love, and with sincerity Trusting God to use it to further his kingdom. What if a Christian loses his or her uh, business or job or friends because we're simply trying to be faithful to God? What if the lion's mouths are not shut and we actually do suffer physically in this life? Does that mean that God has failed? Does that mean that God is not that great of a deliverer after all. Well, of course it doesn't mean that. Ignatius of Antioch, who lived in the last part of the first century and a little bit into the second century, was an early church father. And he was accused of atheism by Rome because he didn't worship the emperor and he was imprisoned and this is what Ignatius of Antioch said while he's in prison waiting to die he said this now I begin to be a disciple let fire and cross flocks of beasts broken bones dismemberment Come upon me, so long as I attain to Jesus Christ. And you know, Christians that were friends of Ignatius tried to free him. And this is what he said. If you remain silent about me, I shall become a word of God. But if you allow yourselves to be swayed by the love in which you hold my flesh, I shall again be no more than a human voice. You see what Ignatius understood in that even in his death, God would be glorified and he would be a vehicle through which the exact thing that happens 
in Daniel 6 and verse 27, a testimony, a witness about the power and grace and, and deliverance of God would go forth. He said that I will be a word of God, that I would be a message, a messenger of the gospel. For Daniel, living achieved God's purposes. For others, it might be death, like Ignatius. And we should not become come over, we should not be overcome with fear because the lion's mouths are not shut. Ignatius witnessed the power of God, and in his death, that message and testimony went forth to the world. And he went to his death in the power of a greater deliverance than simply deliverance from the lions in the Colosseum or the fire at the stake. If God delivers from the adversity and His purposes and glory are, are met and, and fulfilled and our good is met, then it's a win-win situation. If God does not deliver us from the adversity and we are consumed by it in, in this, yet, this life, yet God's purposes are fulfilled and our ultimate good is met, then it's a win-win situation. Because of this, Paul tells us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And then later in Romans 8, verses 35 through 38, who shall separate us from the love of God, the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are guarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And what I want us to see today is that sometimes God shuts the mouths of the lions and there's this miraculous deliverance. And His power and glory are manifest and witness to the world. Praise God. And sometimes God doesn't shut the mouths of the lions. And the saint loses his life for the sake of the gospel. And a testimony of the gospel goes forth to the world. Praise God. And that saint enjoys the deliverance of Jesus even in his death. Remember what Carl read, Peter's words, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. You see, Christians are safe outside the lines then, right from last week? But Christians aren't built to be outside the lines then. We're built to be in the lines then, where God works to bring about His purposes and His glory and, yes, our good. The Apostle Paul says, or the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 4, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Therefore, 
Let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to, be, to, the, to a faithful creator while doing good. And isn't that the call that really is placed upon us? Not why are we suffering this, not why is the lion's mouth shut or not shut, but in the midst of what God brings, we entrust our souls to our faithful creator. We entrust our souls to our great deliverer. And knowing that whatever happens, it's a win-win situation. Jesus has won already. And his glorious message will go forth. And, and my point today is just simply to, to remind us of this greater deliverance that, that, that we have. Now, I told you that, that my dog was really taken by Aslan as we were watching the lion, witch, and the wardrobe. Aslan is a lion. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. We are able to boldly face whatever the lion's den represents for you and me according to God's purposes today because of this lion that is depicted in this story. And this lion that is referenced in Scripture, even Revelation 5 and verse 5. And here's the key lesson that I want us to take home uh, today. We should therefore not be surprised when the lions come after us to devour us. Don't be surprised when fiery trials come your way. But as we face those lions, we are to do so with courage because of this lion that is depicted in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He's not a safe lion. Jesus is not safe. And he's not safe for those who are the enemies of the kingdom of God. As the malicious accusers experience the wrath of God and judgment in the lion's den, that will be the destiny of all of those who fail to trust in Jesus in the final day. And you know what, dear friend? Jesus isn't safe for you and me either. If you want to be safe, don't follow Jesus. If you want to live outside the lion's den, don't follow Jesus. Because let me tell you something. If you follow Jesus, he's not safe. Because he will lead us into the lion's den. 
He will bring the fiery trials to come to fulfill His purposes for us. Listen, Christians aren't made to be safe outside the lion's den. We are made, we are united to Christ to prevail in the lion's den. To stand in the power of Christ, even if we're devoured, because our ultimate deliverance is heaven. And the ultimate concern is God's glory and that the, and his gospel would go forth to the ends of the earth. That's the concern, not our life, not our well-being, not ultimately our safety. It is that God and his kingdom would go forth. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus isn't safe, but in him we prevail. He's not safe, but he's good. He's good in that even in our suffering, God will be glorified and God's good purposes will be fulfilled for the kingdom and for us as individuals. He's not safe, but he's good in that he will sanctify us in the midst of the lion's den and, and further perfect us, not completely but preparing us for heaven, and he will empower us to stand faithfully as we suffer whatever that trial is. I I just want you to hear this word. In Jesus, in the lion's den, we prevail. Now, come on, do we? Can you just say amen? We really need to be serious and energized about this. To be able to stare a hungry lion in the face. Knowing that Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus isn't safe, but he's good in that, as we read in Romans, he assures us of his love. And not even what we encounter in the lion's den will separate us from the love of Christ. And we are assured that 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 lion who is not safe but good will bring us home. And that in him we are already more than conquerors. You see, dear friends, Daniel simply points us to an infinitely greater deliverance in Jesus Christ. And have you experienced that deliverance? Turn to this lion who isn't safe but is good and find deliverance for your soul. Father, we ask you to work mightily in the life of this church and to cause us to rest in you, our great deliverer. 
Father, when we say that Jesus isn't safe, oh Lord, we just simply mean that, that his ways are not our ways, that what he brings into our lives and where he leads us, we would never go on our own, but it's the way of sanctification, it's, it's, it's the way of growth, it's the way of glory. And Father, we rest in the fact that he's good and that he has our good both as individuals and as a church, as his, one of his prime importance, and that he is about doing good to his people. And Father, if there's anyone here today that, that doesn't rest in Jesus, this greater deliverance, that Father, that you would be pleased to work in their hearts and minds today. And if it pleases you, O God, to bring about that deliverance from sin and death and bondage and free them to life in Christ. Father, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.